Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. Jalapeño. <laughs> Good time on that, wasn't it? Good evening. Good evening. Thanks for coming. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. And tonight, for your delectation, we're going to go through this, the 1987 shoot annual from cover to cover. And you are not allowed to leave until we have finished. Hour and a half. Reading every word of it. At least an hour and a half. We might fucking read it twice. (laughs) There it is. There's the cover. You'll notice the Oxford United player there. It has the word Wang (laughs) on his shirt on the front of a children's annual. (laughs) This was fine in 1987. It was a different time, wasn't it, Sam? Yeah, because what does Wang mean to you? To me, cock. Mm. It's also been used as a euphemism for cocaine. Has it? Yeah, so I don't know what he's trying to say, but either way... Either way... It's not on. And And you can see Sparky's got no time for him either. No. (laughs) It's quite an impressive bulging Sparky short as well, isn't it? Yeah, really prominent. Very Really unnecessarily prominent. Surely they could have chosen a different image. I don't know who designed the front cover of this, but... um, (laughs) A fucking nonce, probably, yeah. yeah. A nonce. (laughs) A nonce is trying to communicate subconsciously with the children of Britain, the young football fans, by having the word wang and a prominent Welshman's penis yep. on the cover of his own. So before you've even fucking opened it, you know you're in trouble. As we said, different times. Different. Very, very different times. Shall we look inside? Yeah. We've got this. We've got Luther Blissett. Um, I'll just find the page that it's on. Being dumped shatteredly. Luther Blissett is interviewed in this 1987 shirt annual, and Luther Blissett is not a happy man. Nah. Is he? Um, he seems to spend the entire interview hitting out at critics, both real and imagined. Um, <laughs> he, he, he talks about um, playing for England. He says, I actually hit a hat trick in only my second game as we crushed Luxembourg 9 0 at Wembley. Luxembourg, crushed, really. The words he's using as well, crushed. Yeah, he's a man's man, isn't he, Luther well, no, Blissett? It's embarrassing as well, well to say that about Luxembourg. should have got at least 15 past Luxembourg. He says, um, did I hear the popping of champagne corks? <laughs> no, I heard people whining about the chances I'd missed that night. <laughs> Luther Blissett with a huge chip on his shoulder. He says, I decided then to ignore it once and for all, adding, what more can a man do in this game? <laughs> He's right. He is. You know, once you've done that, once you've put three past Luxembourg at Wembley, that's Yeah, it. what more can you do? No that's more you can do. Absolute peak, Some isn't it? You'll never be satisfied. And he talks about his time in AC Milan, which was um, a, a resounding failure, wasn't it? He, um, but he, he did become notorious as, as a pseudonym for anarchists while he was there. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a bunch of sort of intellectual anarchists and they wrote a book um, under the collective... Nom de plume, is that what you call it? Works for me. Uh, Luther Blissett. Luther Blissett. But this was years after he'd left, because I think they thought he sort of symbolised, I don't know, something like terrible, and, you know, and he just lost his way. And, um, but apparently, in fact, someone just told us this, we were discussing it backstage, apparently whenever it's brought up now, he becomes really annoyed. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, I don't want to fucking hear it. When they go, oh, you, you are aware that there was a group of anarchists. Yeah, I fucking know, I don't want to hear any more about this. <laughs> he hates it. He's just an angry bloke. Well, he is, because he's talking about his time in, in Italy. 
I grew up out there, he said. I was alone, on and off the field, and homesick, but I gave them my all. They expected me to wander around up front on my own, get the ball at my feet, then take on the tightest, hardest defender. This fellow who's done the covers written this, hasn't he? The tightest, hardest defenders in the world game. So yet again, he's making excuses for his own feelings. So that's Luther Blissett. Yeah. And um, I think we'll move on. Sad, really, isn't it? Yeah. What's this all about, Sam? This is One of your selections. Do you remember this fella? I didn't until I saw this in the shoot album. Um, let me try to remember. Luton feature heavily in the shoot album, by the way. It was a very much like they were obviously the fashionable side of the of the era under David Pleat. Oh yeah, this it's is it. Amika Nwajiobi. His name's Amika Nwajiobi, Luton's talented Nigerian chemist. <laughs> That's how it was back then. He's a, he's a chemist. He's one of the modern game's enigmas. Each, each, team, each team had a tricky winger, a hard man... And a chemist. And a chemist, yeah. <laughs> Signed from Dulwich Hamlet, the highly educated striker. is just as much as home with a test tube. <laughs> just one? Fucking hell. Has he just got one test tube? Yeah. Does he wash Carried it out? Carried it around thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> His form for David Pleat's team of entertainers has been a revelation and a headache. You never know what he's going to do next, admitted Pleat. Probably some kind of experiment. And I can see why some players tear their hair out trying to predict him, but he's a gem for the fans. No, I mean, you know, <laughs> he's a chemist. I just thought that was sensational. <laughs> he definitely goes into my chemist 11. All-time chemist 11. Who else would be in your chemist 11? Um, Neil Webb. Neil Webb. He was a keen amateur chemist. He was, yeah. Socrates was a doctor, which is about as close to a chemist as you're going to get, isn't it? Yeah. Lee Sharp cooked meth be- like Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> OK, we'll That's move it. on again. We'll go back to it. Brian Robson. Oh, now this. Captain Marvel. This is a very special interview with the man who was probably the most prominent footballer in the, in the first division, as it was. And this is one of the oh. most... I would say this is Neil the most... Webb. Oh, there, there he is. Look. This is the one of the most awkward interviews in the history of journalism. It says, shoot fires the questions you've always wanted to ask, which I would dispute, because <laughs> I've interviewed a lot of people, and, you know, you've got to play nice to begin with, at least, you know, to sort of earn their trust and lure them in. But yeah. who, whatever <clears throat> nutter, who I notice... Who I notice has chosen not to have a byline, no. unsurprisingly. <laughs> Fucking anonymous, like one of those tweeters who have an egg, hiding behind his anonymity. Asked the most, like, rude and impertinent questions right from the get-go. Yeah. First question. What do you remember about Brian Robson? Yeah, he was a brilliant, marvellous midfielder, Captain Marvel, but he was always injured. Must have been sensitive for him. First question. Imagine it. Sit down. Hi, Brian. Yeah, I'm from Shoot. Yeah. Uh, you don't need to know my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's for the annual. Oh, good. Question one. Through, through getting injured so much, <laughs> do you think you let Manchester United down? <laughs> Couldn't you be more careful? Well, well, you know, it's not my fault. Usually, you know, these things happen on the pitch. I mean... Or as he said himself, if I'm on the sidelines, that's no use at all to me manager. I don't go out of me way to get injured. <laughs> yeah, really apologies. Got him on the back foot straight, straight away. away. And there's four pages of this. this. <laughs> Question three. Your goal scoring is erratic. <laughs> One month, scoring with every shot. The next, a barren spell. Can you explain that? Can you, Brian Robson? Can you? Oh. I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> At Manchester United, I tried to average 15 goals a season from midfield. And my England record's not bad. Uh, then he's like, fine. Like, never comes back and says, yeah, never engages. <clears throat> Just like, right, all right, you've Fair had enough. to say. Next question. <laughs> Isn't it true that Manchester United never properly replaced Ray Wilkins? <laughs> <laughs> he's like... But- I play in the same position as Ray Wilkins, you fucker. It's like the O.J. Simpson court case or it's something, so isn't it? so dark. Just answer the question. Yeah. Put the glove on, Brian. 
I can't accept that. that slowly, because at the beginning of this, I'm thinking, Brian, you're letting this boat away with fucking murder. Yeah. Right? And you're really like trying, he's got you defensive, he's got you doubting yourself. You shouldn't doubt yourself. The, the interview has gone in hard in the first yeah. minute with what I think Martin Keown called a reducer. A reducer. And, and then he's just on top of him. Yeah, he's on top of him ever since. I'm thinking, you'd never let someone treat you like this out on the field of play. Why are you letting this fucking pip squeak bully you like this? Do you want to give us. Do you want to give us question four first? <laughs> he goes, no, hang on. He, I want to tell you the answer. He goes, I can't accept. I can't accept that. After he says we didn't replace, they didn't replace Ray Wilkins. Wilkins. I can't accept that. Right? As well as Ray played for Manchester United, give Gordon Strachan credit for what his arrival did for Old Trafford. We changed our style when Ray left. In many respects, I think it was better. And I think, OK, he's fighting back a little bit. A little bit, bit right? but then... Then this happens. Right? The fucker thinks, I'm not going to be cowed. This is going to get worse. I'm going to up a gear now. He goes like this. You're always going on about Norman Whiteside. <laughs> this is literally what it says. Well, you can see it. Yeah. You're always going on. <laughs> fucking giving it all this about Norman fucking Whiteside. You, the captain of England. Yeah. And he goes, what's so special about him? <laughs> right? But this is where you realise Brian's answer. Brian's had it. He goes, that sounds a rather sour question. <laughs> and this is where I realise, this is where it all fucking falls into place. Because uh -huh. you think, Brian has sounded on the back foot throughout this, and yeah. it doesn't sound like Brian. And I've said, this doesn't sound like him. Even a turn of phrase. And then you get to, that sounds a rather sour question. <laughs> and I think, he's fucking got someone to do something. You know, the footballers, they always go, they go to someone get in the, the press PR office to do it, yeah. They get a mate to do it. You answer. Shoot us and do some questions, you answer. Yeah. I tell you, he's got fucking Morrissey to answer these questions. <laughs> because that is straight out of uh, uh, some Smith's lyrics or a Morrissey interview in the enemy around the same time. That's a rather sour question. Norman's, re Norman's record says more than anything, I can tell you. And the interview goes on, you know, he won't let up this journey. Ian Rash just said that Mark Hughes... The Welsh and Manchester United striker. Yeah, I know he fucking is. <laughs> he's on the front. Yeah, he's on the front. There's his knob. I fucking play with him. Just to clarify, the Welsh and Manchester United striker is a scorer of goals, but not a great goal scorer. Do you agree? What the, what's your fucking problem? <laughs> Finally, how much longer will you play for England? <laughs> to, which, to which Morrissey answers, until I drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, They'll have to uh, carry me into exile on some remote island in the South Pacific uh, to keep me away from the England camp. <laughs> Thanks, Moz. Uh, have you got the next one? This because the last that goes on like this. Yeah, it's basically Morrissey versus the world's rudest journey, <laughs> and the only nice sort of answer that's quite warm at the end is right at the end. He goes, "What's your idea of a good day off?" He's like, these are the questions you ask at the top, mate. <laughs> these are the ones you soften them up with. And he's just like, at the end, all right, I'll, try, I'll fucking bowl you a soft one. What's your idea of a good day off, Brian Robson or Morrissey? And it's... I get up at nine o'clock. <laughs> I read the papers. I go for a swim with the kids. Have a good lunch. Maybe a lager at the pub run by former Scotland and Manchester United star, Pat Creran. <laughs> <laughs> and then... The, the final question, the final question in the interview is simply just two words. The future? <laughs> question mark. Robson, I never think about it. See? Mindfulness. Yeah, got him he right at the end there. He was way ahead of the curve on all that, wasn't he? And then, as if to add insult to injury, we've got um, a little cartoon game. Robinson's route? <laughs> Help, help no Brian sense. Robson find his way to goal without meeting a defender. So whoever's done this interview has obviously been in charge of this page as well. <laughs> Just fucking call him Robinson. And the designer's like, it doesn't quite fit. Yeah. Robson's route doesn't fit in the way I've laid the page out. Do you mind if I call him Robinson? Because <laughs> he'll fit that. Yeah, fuck him. I mean, no one fucking knows who he is anyway. <laughs> the man's a joke. <laughs> I had to remind him who Mark Hughes was. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very um, convoluted maze, isn't it? No Jesus Christ. Imagine embarking upon that. Imagine, I mean, I know it was before PlayStations, but yeah. you'd have to be fucking bored as a kid. 
to do Robinson's route. Brian, Brian Robinson has taken some psychotropic drugs. <laughs> Help him find his way to goal without he's meeting a defender. He's lost and he's or, forgotten what his own name is. Ingesting his own head. <laughs> Have we d- dealt with that sufficiently, yeah, do you think? Yeah. Let's move on. This, this is, is it! Oh, hello. Oh. Peter Beardsley. Mm. Um, yeah. Poor old Ray Wilkins, eh? he looks so mournful and contemplative, yeah. doesn't he? He just sort of looks like he's just stopped. There's not really a lot of concentration mm. or effort going in. He's just standing watching, isn't he, like a pedestrian. Given up. It's, it's, it's really Egypt, though, isn't it? This is Peter Beardsley's um, magic moments and moments of misery oh, yeah. from the previous <laughs> years. Um, now, luckily, I've managed to um, get Peter Beardsley to... Um, doing a small tip and um, describe describe one of those magical moments for us. Take it away. My first time in the squad has to be marvellous, I you know. I got on the field for the last 35 minutes in World Cup 1 against Egypt. We won 4 0. I was a bit annoyed by that, you know, Preston didn't concentrate on Peter Shelby's performance in goal. The other players performed just as well. Thank you, Peter. That was that was sour as well. Yeah, it was. That's that's one of his magic moments, and he's having a fucking whinge as well about Pete, Peter Shilton getting all the headlines. You've got Luther Blissett with his Italian-sized chip on his shoulder. Yeah. I, what I like about this... Section, Quite adversarial, he, isn't it, really? He's, he's the, not the only one. They've done this with a lot of players, and mm. the section is called Magical Misery. Magical or Misery, yeah. right? It's quite a direct sort of device for an interview, isn't it? Yeah. And it's the same bloke who did the Robson. He's like, tell me something magical that's happened to you. Yeah. All right, tell me a time you were miserable. Right, now another magic one. Bit Quick, think, about. now. More, more misery now. <laughs> a really miserable thing. Think of something terrible that's happened. <laughs> Come on, chop, chop. <laughs> I've got a copy deadline to meet. <laughs> Just get to it. I've got to draw a fucking maze by five o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of people know that. Some very fascinating facts in here, oh, in this yeah. page. Um, one in particular. One in particular, right at the very end there. Fourth Division Rochdale have the lowest income of all the 92 league clubs, but are in the black because of thriving <laughs> off-field activities. <laughs> Any thoughts about what that could be about, Alan? Obviously, you'd think pies. You'd probably think low-level prostitution. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean... Money laundering. Money laundering. It's, the, the thing is, it's so deliberately ambiguous. Mm. It's like they're trying... It's an insinuation again, isn't it? There are codes that journalists use to yeah. get around, like, the, yeah. the, you know, sort of defamation laws. Exactly, off-field activities. Yeah, and it's I like off-field in, activities. They might as well have a drawing of someone winking. It was, it was kind of like 1987 as well when AIDS was becoming <laughs> a big thing and uh, celebrities would appear well, to how be... how could they... Profit, how could they no, no, I'm not saying still are. I might get to that in a minute, but celebrities were often pictured appearing gaunt. Oh, yeah, that was their code for AIDS. That was their code but, for yeah, AIDS, maybe yeah. They were, had, maybe, they'd, maybe they had played a role in monetising AIDS, I don't know. Uh, how could, my how money could... would be on sort of people smuggling. <laughs> Look, Rochdale was right. smuggling like women and children from like Eastern Bloc countries, I don't Poss- know. This is Rochdale. You, right, hang on. Are you insinuating that Rochdale, who were regularly um, up for re-election because they'd finished bottom of Division 4 each season, are you insinuating that they contributed to the spread of AIDS in the UK? <laughs> Somehow? Yeah, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, I am. OK. I'm fine with that, yeah. Well, someone's how, fucking I, I, responsible. I, 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 and we haven't yet found out who the culprit no, was. No, we haven't. As my, they're as good a fucking person Although as any. Although the rumour at my school was that somebody had gone to Africa and bummed a monkey. Yeah, that was, that was the common... Yeah, it was sort of... Between, was, it was that, and there was often mention of um, Barry and Colin from EastEnders being involved <laughs> as well. Yeah. Maybe. Um, That's how that, I still don't understand I how... I don't know. Listen, how, it's a complicated subject. I still don't understand how Rochdale would profit... Financially, uh, well, from that. you know, the 80s was a. Unless they signed the chemist from Luton. Oh. And he was doing research into. He in fucking the, created AIDS in, in his in test tube. No, 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 he's doing research into the drugs. To cure AIDS? To, to cure it, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Rochdale are trying to market those drugs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Let's yeah, move on. Maybe. Let's, let's <laughs> move on. Plenty. They're still in the black <laughs> due to them due to them getting a patent uh, uh, on a breakthrough AIDS drug yeah. developed by Luton Centre Forward. Yeah. His name we can't remember. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. that's what it was. Victim of the Gentilia touch. Oh, yeah. What page is this on? There it is. It's Charlie Nicholas, flamboyant party boy of Arsenal, um, talking about his, his run-ins with Claudio Gentile. And it sounds quite nasty. He says, I was a nervous 19-year-old playing in my first European match. Signor Gentile certainly opened my eyes. It was a simple case of anything goes. He elbowed me in the face, punched me in the back and in the ribs, pulled my hair, kicked me from pillar to post, and even spat at me! And in the second half, he sodomized me. <laughs> but, you know, that's what you get with Italians. <laughs> you got to have your eyes open. I wonder if there was any arse slashing that went on. Well, that's very popular amongst the Italian footballers. As we've fraternity, mentioned in the previous it? episode. Lord, yeah. Turn you back for a second and slash your ass with a pizza wheel. A pizza wheel, of course yeah. it was, wasn't it? Is there anything else of note? Another bitter interview, though. If you look at the overall tone of this... They hate annual, footballers, don't they? These, or, these shoot annual, people. Or whether it's shoot sort of engineering that tone or whether it is just the, the, the general kind of feeling or atmosphere in the mid-80s amongst top-flight footballers was one of bitterness and anger yeah. and injustice. Yeah. Every page is full of a footballer complaining about someone or something fucking them over and <laughs> yeah. denying them what they deserve. Yeah. And that's what this book's about, really. It's uh, an existential kind of um, howl, really, howl of anguish. That's at almost, its heart what this book is isn't about. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right, what's next? What's next, indeed? This is it! You are the ref. Oh. I'm going to quiz you on a couple of these questions, Sam. Right, See how much you know about refereeing yeah. and the, the laws of the game in, back in 1987. OK. Uh, number two. As a high ball drops into the penalty area, mm. a defending player shouts out, my ball, leave it! You, you can look because the answers aren't on there. Do you A, award a penalty, B, an indirect free kick, or C, do you allow player to continue? <laughs> <laughs> so you the, def the defender my ball, whoa, whoa, my whoa, ball whoa, whoa, what did you just fucking say penalty <laughs> <laughs> I don't know penalty. don't fucking put people off yeah fucking playing mind games no I don't, or, like, I don't like that that's mind game penalty or is it just you know is it a red herring are you just going to allow play to continue no pe definite pe definitely if think that's, that's not a penalty, penalty what is? Yeah. he's shouting my boy he's trying to baffle me yep okay Right, fair enough, we'll move on to another one. Give you the, the answers at the end. Uh, number five. The manager of a team shouts instructions to his players from the sideline. Oh. oh, controversial. Should you A, caution him? Yeah. Or should you B, ignore him? Well... Bear in mind, this is the, 1987. By the, by the letter of the law, yeah. you should caution him because it is against the rules of football to, for a coach to communicate with his players during a game. Again, it can confuse people. It's a mind game tactic. OK. But, like, in any situation where someone's trying to show off, which this manager clearly is, yeah. it's always best to ignore them. <laughs> Just fucking ignore him. He's trying, to show, he's trying to get attention. If we ignore him, he'll stop. So, so you think it's kind of like, I'm in charge of these lads, I'm, I'm the boss here. You, you need to know the rules, but at the same time, you need to be canny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not be a stickler. I would ignore him, and he'd soon shut up and find something else to do. OK, so you're saying that a manager should never... You're not allowed. ...show not instructions... Allowed. No, it's confusing. ..or get a caution. Long. OK, fair enough. Number four. You extend time to allow a penalty to be taken. The kick is saved... But the kicker follows up and shoots the ball into the net. It's the ball. Shot! Should you allow the goal? No, definitely not. Ooh, ruthless. No, fucking... You had your chance. Yeah. <laughs> but, but let me just caveat. I would have said to him, I would have made it clear before he took the kick. I would say, let's make this clear. Right. Mate. One kick. After that, yeah. stop. That's it. Yeah. One fucking kick. 
I see you kick the ball again. You're off. You're off. <laughs> and I'd have told him straight, so he would have known. If it was me who was the rep, he would have known in advance, don't be following up and all that silly nonsense. That doesn't happen on my pitch. <laughs> One kick, there's your chance. That's it, and yeah. then we all go home. OK, right, OK, let's see what you've got there, then. Um, question two, the high ball into the box. Awarding indirect free kick. You do not. Just ignore him. Um, the player must call a name in order not to deceive an opponent. I don't know whose name they should call. Is that right? Uh, well, you've got to be specific. specific. Yeah. Well, what if you don't know? Number two. Nowadays, everyone's foreign. You don't fucking know Not back then, mate. mate. Not back in 1987. Well, what if you were playing Luton? Unless Rochdale, had, <laughs> unless Rochdale had brought them into the country. Yeah. A high ball drops in the penalty area. A player shouts out, my ball, leave it. Indirect free kick. <laughs> because he didn't call out a name in no order way. to deceive an opponent. Uh, the second one I gave you was the manager shouting instructions to his players on the sideline. Uh, yeah, caution the manager. He's not allowed to shout instructions. Really? Well... Yeah. Well, As I said, at that. I did know that was the law, but, but, yeah, I'm, we have a technical a, area know, but now. I'm a bit more of a maverick ref and I would have ignored him. Right. Just because I think that's a better way of coping with it. OK. And the other one was the penalty kick. Mm. Um, should you allow the goal from the rebound shot? No. No. Correct. Play is only extended for the taking of the kick. Once the keeper has made the save, the game is over. I got three out of three. You did. You did. Well done. Yeah. Have a look at a picture of I'm Kevin Ratcliffe's penis as a reward. Fucking hell. It's penis... Another Welshman. Oh. Why didn't they just call this annual Welsh cock special? <laughs> Shoot annual 1987 Welsh cock special. Well, there's Ali Robertson and he's a Scotsman. And yeah, less, less visible, mm, I would say. Yeah. It's definitely the Welshman. Let's try and find Ian Rush. <laughs> Here he is. Look, turn straight to him. You can yeah. see it. What's going on there with is. the fucking Welsh lads? Quite a baggage. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Well done. Next one. Oh. Sheffield Wednesday, Howard Wilkinson. Um, Howard Wilkinson making his way in the game in 1987 at Hillsborough. Um, and he had quite a reputation, if you remember, as a disciplinarian. Mm. Very much so. And he ruled, it could be said, with a rod of iron. <laughs> and there it is in his hand. <laughs> There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Howard Wilkinson's rod of iron. <laughs> They're not fucking about here, are they? Look at that. When he was at Sunderland. Oh, God. They, I told you this, didn't I, that a player from Sunderland said that one day they came in for training and he led them into the indoor training bit, the gym, right. and there was little exam tables, like an exam laid out for all of them, and all that was on it, there was one for everyone in the squad, was a lump of clay. <laughs> and he went, go on, lads, just do what you feel. And that was training that day. And another day, he got them in there, and he showed them one of those things. You know when, is it the swallows all fly together, like in the Carlin adverts? Yeah. Yeah, he just showed them that for ages, and then the lights came up, and he went, yeah? Over to you, lads. Over to you. Are we at Arsenal on Saturday? You know what to do. And you found a funny quote as well. When he, was, when he got sacked by Leeds, he said something like... Oh, what was they, it? He, he said, what's well, the effect of, they think that they can do better without me, and I yeah. very much hope they are proved wrong. <laughs> That's right, yeah. I mean, talk about sour. That fucking is well, sour, isn't it? Like, I hope they fail. Well, the story about when he got the Sunderland job, he was... We, we just sacked Peter Reid. And uh, the chairman at the time, Bob Murray, rang up Howard Wilkinson and asked him in a sort of a consultancy capacity to find and recommend someone to take over from Peter Reid. And Wilkinson got back, he might have given it 48 hours, I don't know, he might have just been straight away. <laughs> but he got back to Bob Murray and he was saying, I've got just the man for you. <laughs> He's got a proven track record of success. He's very forward thinking. He's been out the game for a while, but he deserves a comeback. Just the man you need, Mr Chairman, because he's the kind of cunt that would call yeah. the chairman Mr yeah. Chairman, isn't he? <laughs> oh, really? Who, who, who is that, Howard? You're looking at him, Mr <laughs> Howard Wilkinson. Hey, oh, look, <laughs> fucking looking right at him. Fucking <laughs> okay, hell. And, and our chairman was foolish enough to, um, to indulge him and give him the job. That's, um, I don't think that's brought almost as mad as when Ron Nodes went on an extensive search for a new manager at Brentford, called a press conference, and then unveiled the new manager as himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
after an extensive search, I am delighted to announce that he walked off stage. <laughs> Did he? And then walked back on going, it's fucking me. Hey! What do you reckon of that, everyone? <laughs> Look at that. Fucking hell. That's his iron rod. And he used to be a school teacher as well, I think, didn't Ooh. he? So that's probably from his, his school teaching days. That's probably been in some places that uh, oh, we'd man. rather not know about. Howard Wilkinson there. Sheffield Wednesday. This is it! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This is it! Ray Clements. Look how anxious Ray Clements looks. <laughs> Gritting his teeth, isn't he? Oh, not much. Jesus. And he also look, he's got a touch of the Brucies about him there as well, hasn't he? Yeah. A hint of penis as well. Oh, no. Just a hint. No, only a hint, because he's not Welsh. He's English through and through. What's he talking about here? He's given tips on goalkeeping. One of the most um, significant ones is on penalties. There's do's and don'ts, and he says, um, don't look defeated. <laughs> Grin like Bruce Grobelar, he says, which to me feels like quite a passive-aggressive thing towards Bruce Grobelar, because it was Grobelar who replaced, replaced him at Clemens Anfield. at Liverpool, isn't it? And he's just kind of like saying, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. I'm all right with it. I'm all right Liverpool give me the boot. I'm happy at Spurs. Yeah. They're not winning the league every season like Liverpool were, but it's, it's nice. I prefer it. Yeah. <laughs> Transport systems a lot better. Public transport, buses and that. It's good. So grin like Bruce Grobbler if you want to do that when you're trying to save a penalty. He's not fucking grinning in this picture. No, though, he's not he? grinning he's not at all. He's grimacing. That's the opposite of a grin. Grimace like Ray Clements. Yeah. He actually looks like he's on drugs, doesn't he? Yeah. Grinding his teeth. He looks like he's just walked out of an interview with Shoot magazine for the <laughs> 1987 <laughs> annual. <laughs> What's the other one? Shouting. Don't. Don't bother. You, you might... Fucking waste of time. You might put off one of your defenders by shouting at him when he's got everything under control. Button your lip. <laughs> says Clemens. Just keep your mouth shut, keep your fucking head down, and just yeah. see your contract out. <laughs> You're 32 now, Ray. Never use your hands, because it's just not worth it. You're 32 now, Ray. Shilton's got the England shirt. Yeah. Just see your contract out and retire. Let's move on. What we got next? Oh, wow. Oh, Frank McAvenny. Yeah, this is great. So, obviously, around about this time, he would have been my hero. And he was a hero, not just on the field. He scored lots of goals. But, obviously, he was almost the consummate 80s Scottish playboy. With yeah. Well, he does know. mention, there's a paragraph there where he mentions Charlie Nicholas and Moore Johnston. So they were already party were. boys, and then he came down, and everyone's like, oh, he's been a bit of a hellraiser up at St Mirren, yeah. at Love Street. Imagine what he's going to get up to in London. So this whole piece is about him telling everyone, I know that's what people might think, but it couldn't be further from the truth. He's, he's... I don't go out at all. I don't drink. I don't enjoy the party lifestyle. And i tell you why as well. When I came down, he says, it was actually uh, someone put their arm around my shoulder and gave me a good bit of advice. He said, stay out of the bright lights of the West End, stay home and stay focused on your work. And that man was my best friend, George Best. <laughs> this whole piece is the biggest tissue of fucking bullshit I've ever read, <laughs> right? This is what it says in here. 
Yeah, and actually, it's really a departure from all the other interviews, because whereas all the others are quite aggressive and mean, mm. this is a real soft soap, tough piece. They go... They're on the back foot, aren't they? Young, Very much handsome, young. well-groomed, really specific. Young, handsome, well-groomed, friendly, and enjoying meteoric rise to fame... You'd think this striking sensation was very much about about town. Well, you'd be wrong. The bright lights of London hold no attraction for the 25-year-old Scott. When I first came down from St Mirren, certain sections of the press gave me a bad boy image. That was a load of rubbish. Sure, I'd been to a few discos in Glasgow. <laughs> Who hasn't? And enjoyed the odd pint after a game. But that didn't mean I was a boozer or playboy. <laughs> I suppose because Charlie Nicholas and Mo Johnson are both Scott strikers and got themselves into bother that I'd do the same. Um, and then he goes, yeah, then he says, surprisingly, it was George Best, a well-known hair raiser in his time. Oh, yeah, because by 1987, yeah. George wasn't boozing. That, he? Yeah. We remember yeah. that from his infamous appearance on Woken. Yeah. <laughs> I got to know George through my agent. George had experienced the pitfalls of stardom and warned me to keep my nose clean. In every yeah, sense. Yeah, right, in yeah. every sense. This Wang. is Frank McAvenny, the man who, when... He used to, when he was back at Celtic, fly back to London to go to Stringfellows every fucking weekend and stumble back into Glasgow Airport every Monday in time for training. Well, and knew the lads on security and they, and they pulled him over one time so we got surgery, come straight from Stringfellows, was still in his suit. And they went through his pockets and he was like, whoa, lads, what are you doing? And they said, sorry, Frank, we've got it. And they found a wrap in his pocket of cocaine, and they went, Frank, what's this? He went, oh, come on, lads, it's just a wee bit of Charlie. <laughs> Which is a quote so memorable and fantastic that for many years there were T-shirts with it printed outside West Ham that you could buy with his face, and, oh, it's just a wee bit of Charlie. <laughs> this man had T-shirts, best-selling T-shirts, made, dedicated to his cocaine problem. <laughs> and here he is trying to fucking hoodwink the young readers of Shoot magazine by saying things clean. like, I love Love in Essex. Who needs the West End? <laughs> when you get there, you can't find a place to park, so I don't bother. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. when he goes out, he drives, doesn't he? And he parks I and drive then the drives home again afterwards. Nightmare, so yeah. I just stay home and watch EastEnders. Get the bus like Ray Clements does. Mm. So, yeah, I, feel ins- I would have felt insulted by this back then. And I feel insulted now, even though George Best is dead. I mean, Frank McAvenny, he's... You remember when he um, got a pirate... Sh- he, he rented a ship right. and went looking for sunken pirate treasure? I don't remember that. Was that a doc- That's actually a fucking Was thing. that a documentary series on...? No, he just did it. And he got arrested for some reason because he was sailing illegally. And they turned out someone had fucking flogged him a treasure map. And he'd, like, nicked a boat and gone looking for treasure high on cocaine. (laughs) This is... None of that's made up. That's that's absolutely fucking true. And here he is, sat there saying, no, I don't go out because of the parking. (laughs) Fucking hell. But he had quite a checkered career before he even became a footballer, if you see there. Um, He left school at 16 and began a career with Glasgow City Corporation. It says career... But um, Frank says, I was handed a brush and shovel and told to, street, to sweep the streets. The job lasted 20 minutes. Yeah. Fuck this. Fuck this shit. He then went on to lake tarmac, dig holes, wait on tables and heave barrels around the White Horse Whiskey Distillery. That might be a euphemism. <laughs> I'd love it if Frank McAvenny waited my table. Yeah. That's not... I don't mean that euphemistic. Uh, or, or heaved a barrel. Yeah. He even Frank worked as a mechanic, delivered bread, tried his hand at painting and decorating. Never looked back. Yeah. Well, at the end, they call him Frank Macameni. Yeah, that's... <laughs> they said these... Are the, a, little, yeah. a little hint right well, at the end. Well, they said this, this was this during the, This season, when he scored lots of goals and arrived at West Ham, there was a football ban on telly. Not a yeah. ban, but, you know, there was some sort it was of dispute. Yeah. right. So no-one knew what he looked like. So he was, like, top scorer in the, in the first division... But no-one really knew who he was. He goes, I've been called Frank McGinty, McVitty and McVinney. But they kind of call me what they fucking want. <laughs> he doesn't say fucking, but you can see his point. He's quite aggressive. And he goes, Frank will appreciate one name some of the West Ham fans have invented for him. Macameni. No. No-one called him Macameni. <laughs> which proves, again, that this is a PR puff piece. Yeah. Because he said, 
the agent's gone, could you make out that some of the lads at West Ham are calling him Frank Macameni because he scores so many goals? And they're like, yeah, all right, fine. If it secures the interview, but it's just a lie. And again, there's, there's a lot of mention of booze in this interview, isn't there? And this is a children's magazine. Yeah. And uh, we've got Wang on the front. We've got mm. booze and, and hints at cocaine in this one. And then in this, we've got I Was There. And this was a couple of players looking back at some, some of the downtimes. Again, <laughs> the, the editors of Shoot are, are, are getting footballers to bear their soul yeah. and lay their soul open and delve into the darker People parts are of their lives. People are hearing about the glory times, so why don't you tell us when you hit rock fucking bottom? Yeah. There's only, like, what, there's only the league, there's the FA Cup and there's the League Cup. That's all you can have. Yeah. You might win something in Europe, but we're banned from Europe now. Yeah. So we're more <laughs> interested in the dark times. We're more interested in the failures. Tell us about your Wembley shocker. Tell us about your humiliation, <laughs> Robert Hopkins. <laughs> Tell us about the worst night of your footballing life. <laughs> when, you, when you lost at home to Gola League side Altrincham in the cup. And if you can, you know, incorporate booze into the anecdote as well, that's even better. I'd made our season doubly bad. I went home, slammed the door and opened a bottle. <laughs> Children's comic shoot. Yeah, what sort of advocating alcohol abuse yet Sometimes again. Sometimes you just gotta lose yourself in oblivion. In order to find yourself. Yeah, you just gotta shut down the voices and the demons as any way you can, kids. But they'll never go away. He describes it all as a living nightmare, which is nice. <laughs> There's a picture of Mark Hughes, but you can't really make out any cock. No, it's bad quality. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's just bad, low resolution. They've probably got a better copy in the office on the wall, I would imagine. Hard-working strikers. Yeah, interesting device, this, where they've just done a grid and several questions <coughs> to who they deem to be hard-working strikers. And they've asked them, as you can see, selection questions. When did you decide to become a striker? Um, what type of goals? Your trademark? Do you have special training? Unlucky or unlucky ground? Now, it's John What was Dean. your worst injury? Again, yeah, that's delving a, into yeah, the darkness yeah. of a footballer's career. John Dean, Gary Lineker, Mick Harford, Kerry Dixon. Dean, Lineker, Harford... They really make an effort to answer these questions quite thoroughly and in detail. They engage. You think, OK. Yeah. So, you know, you can imagine Lineker, already a consummate media performer. You know, what type of goal do you regard as your trademark? And Gary goes, well, before I came to Everton, it was running onto a through ball and slotting it home. Uh, since I've been at Goodison, though, I've been scoring on my head. He goes, oh, cheers. Yeah, good, thorough answer. Uh, Mick <laughs> Harper, what about you? The header at the far post, my trademark, was featured in that hat-trick. I scored a friend to hat-trick in front of four. And then you get to Kerry Dixon. There isn't a typical Dixon goal, in my opinion. <laughs> my goals come in a variety of ways. But I feel I need to widen my range. Uh, OK. <laughs> All right, Kerry, you're kind of missing the point. But... <laughs> What's your right, trademark fine. goal, Kerry? Fine. What is it? I'm, I'm sensing, like, you know, some sort of weird kind of hostility, but let's get on to the next questions. Do you have special training? So John Dean's like, <clears throat> we do a lot of close-in work at Norwich, headers, side foots from six to eight yards, so that when a chance arises in a match, we will react instinctively and not panic. Very thoughtful answer, that, really isn't it? Really thoughtful answer, really gives you insight. Yeah. Gary Lineker. The emphasis at Everton is on perfecting strikers' finishing, probably the same at every other club. Keeping things simple is the watchword. Interesting. Again, good, yeah. Mick Harford. Yes, in a penalty box, where we practice shooting, turning and selling, in inverted commas, dummies. Yeah. Which was a new technique brought in from it the was, continent. It was, yeah, by the Belgians, I think. Kerry Dixon. All aspects of a striker's role are worked on, <laughs> obviously. With no accent on any particular skill. <laughs> All right, mate. Can I go home yet? Yeah, he yeah. says. What, what do you fucking think we do? We practice. We practice football. <laughs> the lot. Okay, fair enough. Uh, a luck, just one more, Kerry. Then we'll let you go. A lucky or unlucky ground. So again, you know, they've all got like fucking Gary Lineker's got like a really long paragraph here. Anfield, home of Liverpool. Yeah, we know that, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> a notorious graveyard for strikers. Oh. I opened yeah, the score in there for Leicester. Yeah, blah. Setting the scene, isn't he? Yeah, he's really yeah. like, creates atmosphere. Yeah, good. Mick Harford, I've always done well at St James's Park where I was once a player, blah, 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 blah. Kerry, what about you? Lucky or unlucky grounds? 
no ground stands out <laughs> as, as being either lucky or unlucky. <laughs> the breaks, good and bad, seem to even themselves out wherever I play. All right, so fuck off. <laughs> Are we done? What a prick. Like, why, why turn up? They've told him what the interview's about, or even if it's one of those ones that they used to fax through and you fill out in a pen, you know, just fucking take the time to write something more. Yeah. I'd have preferred no answers at all, is what I'm saying. I, I kind of wish I'd included this one in the presentation, though, because it's an Englishman, Peter Reid, mm. uh, and his, his genitalia is covered by the two hands of a QPR defender. Lovely. I don't know if you can see that. He's cupping him. So, again, the Welsh rule there that you decided upon being played out. Yeah. This is it! Shock tactics. For some clubs, training is like a commando assault course. Yeah. This was when pre-season training was hardcore, back in 1987. A lot of running talked about this, isn't there? A lot like of running. Running up and down sand dunes, Jock well, Wallace. Well, that was it. The master of this was Jock Wallace at Rages, who, it says, has his own special recipe for sorting out the men from the boys before the start of a season. He takes his place to Gully and Sands, just outside Edinburgh, for a training routine that resembles a commando assault course. The idea is to concentrate purely on stamina sprints and those energy-sapping sand dunes, all of which are at an angle of 75 degrees. <laughs> are perfect, <laughs> says Wallace. Every player has to complete 20 to 24 of these sprints and nobody is allowed to fail if they want to play for Rangers. <laughs> I don't care if they have to crawl up those dunes on their hands and knees, barks the man who once told a young player who stopped to be sick during one such session. Hey, son, if you're going to be sick, do it as you're running. <laughs> I don't want to play for Rangers. <laughs> I want to play for St. Mirren. I want to go to Love oh, Street. I don't want to be in football anymore. I want to go where Frank McAvenny used to be. <laughs> but, um, of course, Jock Wallace later on got the job at Leicester City. Mm. And he got someone to recreate those sand dunes for him <laughs> on the on Built the outskirts of Leicester. Yeah. They have to be seventy-five degrees. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no point. With my fucking protractor, chicken. <laughs> <laughs> With a sand protractor. <laughs> <laughs> so that was um, Jock Wallace. Do we have any others in that page no. that we've picked out? No, Harry. But the others don't really engage properly in the question. I know it is. I read this. It only gets good when they get on to Jock Wallace because they go, they've decided, someone said, do an article about right bastard managers. Yeah. Right? And, and then go, right, OK, that's a good idea. Who do we reckon are the best ones? Well, Jock Wallace is a bastard. I think Alan Ball's probably a bastard because he ran around bastard. a lot when he was playing. And Dave Bassett Wimbledon's a bastard. So just get those three. Well, two of them didn't fucking play along because, you know, Dave Bassett's like... To help the players improve their ball control and their stamina at the same time, we play man-for-man -man game for six or seven a side. It gives them good practice. The whole session only lasts 20 minutes, but by the end, the lads really have earned a break, I can tell you. You think, that's shit. That's not bastard stuff. No, that's it's quite forward-thinking, isn't it? 20 minutes it's almost like Arsene Wenger-ish. And then Alan Ball says, oh, I give them a tough <laughs> run in the morning, which doesn't always go down too well, but our training sessions are generally low-key affairs. I'm a big softie, you see. Big? The journalist big. is like, you're a little softie. He's like, for fuck's sake. None of them are bastards. The editor's going to go mad. Thank God. He's going, right, last interview, Jock Wallace. Yeah, he's what's he got? Come up Trump. He's got a fucking sound protractor. This is a salvage operation. Come on, Jock. And it's like, brilliant. Jock delivers, doesn't Jock he? Jock has yeah. built some sand dunes, which he made a child be sick whilst running. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Howard Wilkinson's in there as well, but there's no mention of the iron rod. Iron rod, no. But even, again, it's quite soft because he says, uh, by varying times and locations, I think we managed to take the boredom out of it. In any case, running shouldn't be seen as drudgery, but as a way of improving you as a player. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, no, Get them up and down as sand dunes, Howard. What's next? What's next indeed? Oh, yeah, I like this one, just briefly. This is just literally... Tiny terrors. We're getting towards the end of the annual and they're running out of ideas. <laughs> right, what are we, how many more pages we got to fill? <laughs> you interviewed Robbo. 
You've done that thing I told you with the strikers, right? Have you done the article on bastards? That was a good idea, that. Yeah, we've done it. I mean, to be honest, it didn't work out. Yeah, fucking run it anyway. Uh, all right, just do t- a double page spread on short bastards. <laughs> well, what's the angle? <laughs> just that they're short. Little fellas. Just do a thing about short blokes who play football. And then what do you write about? Just, no, just say what their height is and then write something about who they are. And that's literally all this is. That is literally all this is. This is just... There is no link between them other than they're all fairly short. Some shorter than others. Yeah. There is nothing... There's no interviews with them. There's no insight to how... You know, I overcame being short. At the very top there, I don't know if Mark Ward is short, but they've got them kind of, like, bent down a little bit. Yeah, like they were desperate. They were fucking hell. We've only managed to fucking find five short players. We need six. I've got a picture of Mark Ward. He's crouching. He's crouching so he could pass for short. All right, use that. (laughs) Use that, because if not, we're never going to get this page filled. There's some nice stereotypical stuff about short people in there as well, because they've got Mark Ward and his darting run. Um, they've got um, Mickey Thomas tigerish aggression you don't get tigerish aggression from a 6 foot 4 player do you? no you only get it from a little fucker look at the state of Mickey Thomas though <laughs> look at the fucking state of him stumbling it's, it's, about it's 1987 and West Brom is sponsored is it West Brom like, is for I mean, yeah? it's, there's an irony isn't it because he looks like yeah. a 50 a day man can you just say, yeah they're sponsored he looks by like he sounds like 50 Rothmans before a match to warm up sponsored he's by Don't Smoke coughing and spluttering stumbling around the place another Welshman penis visible <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and you just think mate your height is the least of your fucking problems <laughs> you have got a lot of issues to confront little Gordon Strack in there they describe his silky skills again that's another thing that's attributed to a little player. Then, a six foot four giant. Um, Pat Nevin, this is how the thing opens with them. Better than former Chelsea favourite Charlie Cook. That's how Stamford Bridge boss John Hollins describes his wing magician, wing Pat magician. Nevin. Right, five foot six. Right, but they've got it in quotes. How would you describe Pat Nevin, John? <laughs> Better than former Chelsea favourite Charlie Cook. <laughs> How's that for a fucking description? Next question. <laughs> Weirdly specific. And and the other one is about Danny Wallace, who oh. is five foot four. That I mean, to be fair to him, that is impressively small. And I, if you'd asked yeah. me to guess, I wouldn't have guessed five foot four. He says, Danny Wallace is one of the smallest players in the first division but he's also rated as one of the quickest. The electrifying speed of the Southampton winger has left many fullbacks for dead and has earned the Black Pearl. Oh, Jesus. An England call-up. Oh, God. Different times, mate. Different times, Sam. Different times. Different times. It makes Rush Steel seem like pioneers, almost. <laughs> the Black Pearl. <sighs> this is it! Oh, like th- a coca spaniel! Yeah. Chasing a piece of silver no, paper across bit, the wind! You've gone a bit early there, mate. You've got, uh, what you've done there is you've got early, you've got overly excited. I'm, I'm giving them what they wanted. Yeah. You got really Fans of the overexcited. podcast. It's like, you don't fucking, the Eagles don't come on and start with like Hotel California. <laughs> right. Speaking of which, we have got a song to fit in at the yeah, end. Yeah, alright, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a long way to go yet, lads. <laughs> Just a bit, this is, Alex, this is Alex Ferguson. It's just a massive thing about how massively successful he was at Aberdeen. And what's ironic about this is that most of it is about how, because he won the Cup Winners' Cup and he won the league and he's rated as one of the best managers in Europe, and yet, again and again, he will not fucking have his head turned by the big glamour clubs because he's happy at Pidodri. Of course he is, yeah. The, the home of Aberdeen. And the whole piece is about that. And they go, why does he turn down such opportunities? That's an easy question to answer, he says. I've already got a good job. Simple as that. There's still a great deal to achieve with Aberdeen, and I'm very happy here. Job satisfaction counts for a lot. This is the 87 annual, so it would have come out Christmas 86. This is what I'm looking at, yeah. This is literally like a matter of weeks before he replaced Ron Atkinson at Manchester United. I mean... It was... 
98, 96 when he went yeah. to Manchester United. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, by the time this came out, he might have already Six, gone. 6th of and November, that, 1986. So this was in know, the shops. No, we know what we know about the fucking editor of this annual as well. They would have been... We're going to print. This will have gone to bed in July, fine, wouldn't it? Fine, fine, Have you done a bit about the dwarfs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fine, fuck it. Print it. Oh, hang on. One last minute thing. Fergie has just gone to Manchester United. Yeah, so what? Well, we've done a double-page spread entirely devoted to why he would never leave Aberdeen, no matter who came in for him. We've got time to go to the printers and replace that spread with something else. <sighs> nah, fuck it, just print it. <laughs> but, boss, this is coming out at Christmas. We're going to look like... Don't fucking print it! We haven't got anything else. Look what a mess you made of that one about the bastards. We were struggling to fill that. Is it we're going to find another double-faced spread at this late stage of the game? Print it and be damned. I'll tell you what, there's an extra Easter egg. Have you got a picture of something that's going to scare the kids? Well, we've got, we've got Teddy Scott there. <laughs> oh, nice. Good picture, that. Fuck Stick it, it in. Can you make sure you frame it so that his head's right on one side and not actually done central? That's a thank God. And uh, there's a nice... It says here, they're talking about all the clubs that came in for Fergie. And this did remind me of your Fergie impression. He goes, when the big clubs were on his tail, Fergie didn't want to know. Even Rangers, who he used to play for, he turned them down. Not even the lure of the lira could tempt him from Pitodri. When Inter Milan made a big money move, a quick... Arrivederci! <laughs> From Fergie, had their representative on his way back to Italy. <laughs> Arriva fucking Dacci! In a suitcase full of lira. Oh, and fucking ass. <laughs> the pictures they paint of the world are like very like sort of carry on films. Is it any wonder we turned like out like we are? The Italian turns yeah. up with a case full of lira. <laughs> hey, Mr. Ferguson, Arriva Dacci to you! <laughs> Go on, on your fucking way. I don't want your filthy lira. <laughs> and yet, it's, this would have made him and everyone associated with shoot look like utter dickheads Christmas 86. <laughs> Are we done with that one? Yeah. And that's all we've got for you. Oh. How long have we been going? We've done nearly an hour. Well, it's been to do sensational, as, well, as you'll all agree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'll all be on eBay and Amazon buying your own copy of the 1987 shoot annual after this, if you haven't already. Yeah. I say one or two, you have got them with you tonight and you're leafing through it with us, mm. joining in the memories. I'll read along. Um, so, yes, it's been a great show. Um, and they don't seem to agree. Yeah, I, don't, so I don't know why you're laughing. It's been great. It's, uh, you've all enjoyed it. <laughs> and you'll continue to download our podcast. Sometimes you'll download it twice just to boost us up Keep the old ratings up. and yeah. get the sponsors to shell out a few more quid. Um, we've learned a lot. We've learned about... Well, we haven't learned where AIDS came from definitively. <laughs> well, I but think we've I got more we... of an idea now than we did have at 7pm. Yeah. I think the clouds are certainly starting to part. Mm. To reveal I think some we'll, truth. We'll do further investigations on that. Yeah, we know it certainly was derived from the Rochdale area. Um, you know, we know that Danny Wallace was five foot four. That's something I didn't know going into all of this. And We've learned so, that Kerry Dixon's a Mardi bastard. Oh, so Mardi. Oh, yeah, you know what he does now, don't you? Yeah, he's um, just went with tubes. He's a. What? Pipes. Oh, he's, pipe a, fitter. he's a pipe fitter. Poor old Kerry Dixon. So, you know, I suppose that's the universe's way of telling him, don't fucking go around being miserable when you're on the top, because one day you'll be down the bottom fitting pipes. In the pipes. And yeah. then you'll regret the fact that you alienated the editors of Shoot. Yeah. Because they won't want to fucking know you. Because they made you and they can break you. Yeah. So, that's been Top Flight Time Machine. Is it almost Pretty much. Well, we're, we're going to finish style? for you. We're going to finish for you with uh, our own rendition of one of the um, most iconic... 1987 number one singles. It also doubles as a tribute to... Um, Two to... people who had a big influence on, I think, both of us. Yeah, very and, much so. And in many ways in, influenced our podcast, Top Flight Time Machine, didn't they? Um, if you say so, yeah. 
I, I would say that they were both behind it. And so it's been quite an emotional last sort of 12 months or so for us saying goodbye to these two icons. We thought it was appropriate to end <clears> the show with this and we thought it was appropriate um, because it was a number one in this golden year of 1987. So we, we, we speak, of course, music. of George Michael and Aretha Franklin. <laughs> a great song to end a great show in or tribute great to a man. great podcast. Um, hope you enjoy this and remember to download this and our other podcast news thing I'd like to dedicate this to Emma who's a little bit sad at the moment I don't know the lyrics so I'm going to read them off a phone <laughs> like a warrior that fights and wins a battle I know the taste of victory unfortunately we've had to remove the song from the podcast due to copyright reasons and also because it needed to be seen as well as heard uh, apologies for any inconvenience. That's right, everyone. Give it up for Thank Andy you. Dawson and me, Sam Delaney. You got your pants? Yeah. Come on, mate. Thank you. Good Goodbye, night. everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Here we go, 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 this is it! Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.